Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer. Spirituality and Metaphysics Talk Radio, featuring a course in miracles, dream interpretation, guided meditation, and the psychic and metaphysics free-for-all. It's your opportunity to consult with a professional psychic medium, discuss past lives, the chakras, and more. We are non-denominational, and there are no limits. Want to change your life? You must first change your mind. 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 No matter your religious structure, cultivate peace in your reality through self-awareness with an authentic spiritual teacher. And now, your host, Charlotte Spicer. My guest today is making his third appearance on the show. Mr. Sheldon Ginsberg is an author, stress healing practitioner, speaker, healer, and the CEO of De-Stress San Antonio, a health company devoted to self-healing services and products based in San Antonio, Texas. Sheldon developed a therapeutic process called Energy Regeneration Therapy, also known as De-Stress Therapy, and for over 15 years has been helping clients relieve their physical ailments while empowering them to inhabit their bodies with compassion and self-understanding for deeper healing. His healing work relieves most types of pain and loss of function. He's worked with cancer survivors, people with spinal cord injuries, patients recovering from strokes, clients with frozen shoulders, multiple, multiple sclerosis, and emotional anxiety, as well as children with multiple handicaps and so much more. Whether you want to address health problems, lose weight, stop premature aging, or simply boost your energy, learn more about de-stress therapy and how it can help you harness your body's natural ability to heal and balance itself by visiting Sheldon's website at de-stresssanantonio.com. There you'll find such products as the Relationship Mood Wheel, Energy Regeneration Therapy product, and Reduce Your Pain, all of which include workbooks and audio digital downloads. Very, very um, advanced products for to help you. His books include a novel entitled Evolution's Hero, which is a combination of fantasy and self-help, and The Guide to Holistic Fitness. Both are available on his website. Sheldon returns to the show today to discuss his latest project as a screenwriter. He has written a screenplay for what promises to be a fascinating film. So if you're a film or television producer or if you know one, please continue to listen because I've read the screenplay and I absolutely loved it. So we're going to talk about that. Please join me in welcoming Sheldon back to the show so he can tell us how it all came about. So glad to have you back on the show, Sheldon. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. It's good to be back. Yeah, we have uh, great conversations together. Yeah, we do. It's fun. Yes. Well, I appreciate you reaching out to me and letting me know about this project. I thoroughly enjoyed the script. Uh, what do we want to share with the audience? In your own words, why don't you give us a summary of, of what the story is about? I don't want to the wrong way. Uh, well, I mean, obviously there's a lot of ways to look at it, but uh, the the essence of it is about healing and empowerment. And to me, the whole thing about um, movies like this is that I, well, I'm looking to be entertained but also given something of, of value that I can take with me because I only want to walk out transformed you know I, I and I think today's special effects and storytelling you know really weaves together all of it in a way that 
that draws you in and, and carries you on a journey that that's not just about the journey, but about how it really can empower your own life. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and to me, you know, there's a lot of talk about um, healing and empowerment and, and what I was looking for in a, in a story is, is uh, the embodiment of what it means to, to heal, to, to rise above, to, to grow. And so, uh, I pray this story that is based upon a, uh, a boy on earth has pain because of what's going on in his life. And as a result of that, it creates this whole universal catastrophe that the hero, which I know we'll talk about down the, the question some, comes in and, and has to address the problems and, and get to the heart of the matter, which to me is what our healing is all about. We've got to get to the heart of the matter. Uh, but sometimes to get to the heart of the matter, you can't really go you have to kind of go through your own journey to understand what it is that you're dealing with. And so that's what the the story is basically about. Okay. Well, in 2012, you published your novel, Evolution's Hero. As I said, it's a self-help slash fantasy story similar to uh, Celestine Prophecy. Uh, For the listeners, the story involves three mothers who learn to be energy healers, and to save their sons in the human race, they must travel to humanity's collective unconscious. There, they help heal this inner world by confronting the embodiment of fear, judgment, greed, and temptation. My question is, how does the screenplay for, and it's called Imagination, Inc., how does the screenplay either compare to or resemble the book Evolution's Hero? Well, they're both in in a a category that I've kind of claimed, which is transformative entertainment. Okay, Uh, that's good. Right? It follows the same basic format as as I want to see the characters – show me what it means to heal through their struggling, through their suffering, through their choices. And so uh, uh, I would say that Imagination, Inc., the screenplay is, um, is an, uh, like a, a condensed version of Evolution's Hero. Because Evolution's Hero, you only have about 120 pages with screenplays, but with books you can you know, go on and on. So a lot more detail in Evolution's Hero. But in, in uh, Imagination, Inc., it, it's, it's the quick version, the cliff note version Mm-hmm. Uh, to really get you interested in in the conversation about what healing can be for you, you know, because we're all going through whatever we're going through and everyone's, you know, struggling with whatever they're struggling with. But if you don't know that you can access your struggles in a different way, then you just keep repeating the same behaviors to, designed to hopefully change your behaviors, but it doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. So, so all of this is, is basically that focus of, of providing an entertaining way, you know, mainstream way, the the beginning conversation of, of you know, you you can help yourself, and here's an access within, which in this case is through the uh, the uh, access of imagination. Okay, and like as you're you're a, a healer, so even with your work, uh, people will present differently, they deal with things differently, and you have to probably take a different approach for each client but you have to get down through those layers to get to the core problem. Right. And that really is all based upon their own willingness to go there. And mm-hmm. a lot of times, uh, I mean, it, that does involve a certain degree of understanding of what there means and, and holding your own within that, those states. Mm-hmm. But what I find uh, the, the biggest thing is that uh, what I see is that our world has made our imaginations more passive. So if you think about watching TV, movies, um, and reading, you are using someone else's imagination. And and so there's a passivity to imagination that in the end I think hurts us 
because then you only use our imagination to worry, to think about what goes wrong or what did I didn't do. So it's a lot of ways we're we're not really engaging our imagination in and really understanding that we create in every moment. Mm-hmm. So, so again, that conversation of uh, of if you could start to harness your imagination and not allow yourself to be pulled into what's called the darkness, then mm-hmm. you can stay in the light and understand more about what it means to be a creator. Because you know, I think we all love the idea of being a co-creator with the universe. Uh, and so, the, the to me, the the basic essence of being a co-creator is to claim that your imagination is in your control, but you do have to practice that. And if you've been practicing passive imagination, then you're kind of sitting in the back seat as your imagination goes wherever it goes and causes you to suffer. Yes. It's more of a, a conjuring rather than um, really activating that creative spark. Because, And, and that's one of the – a big thing with a, with a lot of uh, people and, you know, as spiritual teachers – um, what we what we do on the show is t- touch touch that and try to tap into it and try to show the difference. There's a there's a big difference between using your creative imagination and then like I'll call it daydreaming. And similar to what you said, what we do is we try to take an event from the past and write an alternate ending rather than accept it for the way it is and go down to whatever hurts us and release and forgive and heal that. Does that make sense? Right, and then even in the forgiveness and the healing, you have to use your imagination to look at whatever has happened in a new way. Because the old way says, "Well, I can never forgive myself," you mm-hmm. know, or I'm, "I'm I'm stuck." You know, to me, the, when we say to ourselves, "I'm stuck," what it really is saying that I don't have the imagination to break out of this thought. Right. Yes, and then in turn that one thought continues to create more of the same situation for you to endure. Right. So I, so I love how in the script you kind of go in there and one of the characters gets to go through that process right. in order to, right. in order to save, you know, the world and all the great stuff that's going on in the book. Uh, well, right. let's, let's, let's talk about script. I should have said, uh, let's talk about the script. The story begins with a black void, empty of all matter and a cosmic bubble slowly rises into view. I love the imagery there. Inside the bubble right. is the known is the known universe. How do you feel people would benefit by expanding our understanding of the universe as we know it to be because we're, so much information is coming out that there's different galaxies and a lot of people are talking about Arcturians and Pleiadians, um, things of that nature. How do you feel it could get everybody on the same page about really what exists? Well, I, I, what I love about um, exploring the universe is because uh, to me the essence of all healing is the shifting of perspective. And uh, when you when you really get into uh, so we get stuck in our perspective because you know we're the density of Earth, you know our civilization, our society, the functioning, the money, the pressures, you know all that. So it keeps us vibrating at a at a denser vibration. But when you really start to read about the universe and explore and look at the pictures and, and, and not just go, oh, that's, you know, some movie that I'm seeing, but, you know, the, um, the, the surface of Mars that looks like Arizona is a real place. There are real rocks there and real sand and, you know, dust and material. And so it's not just some picture coming from, you know, being beamed in onto your TV or, or your phone, but a real place. So 
so when you start to uh, to to relate to the universe as real as as something that's out there, uh, and then you start to feel the what the the unlimited possibility that exists in it. You know, it, when you look at things from our human point of view, it's it's a narrow point of view by mm-hmm. nature because we're limited beings. But when you start to expand into the universal, let's say consciousness or experience or or just because I'd like this grooving with the idea of floating in space and mm-hmm. and being in infinity, uh, all of a sudden the things that that got you stuck and bothered you, they're like gone. And and then you can you can you can look at it and it, you can shift your your position, your point of view to let's say you know third degrees from center. So now when you look at your situation or problem, you're no longer stuck in this fixed state. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So to me the the, the visiting of the universe is is really crucial to 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 change your your way of viewing life because we will never be at a place that will ever enca- encapsulate all of what it means to be alive in any one moment, it's always going to be growing into more, mm-hmm. so, which means your perspective can always grow into more, and that's a great thing. Yes, it puts you where you need to be in that new perspective, as you described, to where you can make the changes first within and then see them reflected outside of you, and to accomplish that in a story that is not only um, enlightening, uh, scientific, funny, um but it brings it all together, and I, I like that. I like stories like this because it does bring in all those things and helps the people to break out of the the um, the narrow scope, as you said, and that limited view, and really just take a bigger look at what's involved here and move beyond the quote illusion of being on Earth. And once you get that idea that there is something greater than yourself then when you right. do look at your problems, they start to shrink in size in your viewpoint because the ego applies size to everything. It, it, it makes uh, some a minor incident seem minor. It makes another incident that could be minor seem major in your mind, and then it gets a hold of it, and you chew on it and chew on it, and then this is where you come in as a healer where people show up with these injuries and, and ailments as a direct role, as a direct result of holding in negative emotions. From the past, so right. I think I think entertainment like this will help stretch people's minds to incorporate that type of thinking, and then have the ripple effect that I'm sure you meant for it to have, to where people heal faster and basically put both of us out of a job. You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, and part of it too is that what we're looking to do is capture the imagination of, of the child within. Because it's a child within that, you know, so capturing that imagination. So the, the story of being in outer space and visiting different aliens and doing all the different battles and, you know, all the different scenes and the journey, you know, you're, you'll get lost within that, that the story and, you know, and um, uh, embed yourself in it because you resonate with the characters, you resonate with what they're doing. And so your imagination, your, your creativity is, is, is opened and you're in that dark, you know, environment, so you're safe. And, you know, all these factors play in, why, which is why movies are so wonderful. You, you know, we have them for so many years because it's a place for you to explore and expand your limits. Mm. Uh, and so that's, that's what we, I wanted in the story is for, you know, for people to really get lost in, in the fun of the story and the funniness of the story and the adventure of the story, forget themselves, and then, you know, see how imagination can really make a difference to, to address their problems. Right. 
Right. Well, what made um, the setting, how did you decide on this? It's Because it's, like I said, one of those great projects that seamlessly blends science and spirituality. And I'm, I'm a science geek um, by all accounts, and of course, spirituality being my first love. So to have a story like this that touches on everything I uh, that I love to uh, be a part of. Um, what made an intergalactic environment with extraterrestrial beings the perfect setting for the story? Do you just did did that give you more options, or why didn't you just have it be a, a planet Earth story? Well, um, again, I love the whole you know in space anything could happen, so I can create anything. There's, there's no you know uh, right or wrong. You know, there's just whatever. And what, actually what the part of the movie is based upon, at least the springboard, is, is uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen that, but the, the cinematography and the, the, the scope of it was just beautiful, and the storytelling was also uh, just amazing. And, and, and it gave you the, the story. You can sit back and really absorb the story. Everything was fed to you just in, in a great way through great acting. Um, and what I wanted was I wanted a, a grandness of and the vividness of the storytelling that uh, was, was right away took you out of your environment. You know, so starting the movie with, with the known universe being encased in a bubble, you know, you are out there. You're, you're, you know, you're seeing it, you're feeling it, you're, and then you're going to go in, but you're not going to go into the familiar neighborhood. You're going to go into mm-hmm. a place that, so that way you're, you're now going, I, I have no idea what's going to happen, and I'm ready, I'm ready for the adventure. And I also I love the idea of starting the movie this way, and then the title of the movie is Imagination, Inc. So, you know, without you knowing anything about the movie, you're pretty much, you know, going to be given a, a story that is imaginative, because if it's not, it can't be called Imagination, Inc. Mm-hmm. And the title plays a significant role in the story, which um, the twists and turns I thought were fantastic. Um, what I also love... Of course, I love talking about energy, and you bring in your awareness of energy, vibration, and matter. You get down to, like, particulate matter, atoms, and all that great stuff. What what other key knowledge or elements did you incorporate to that when they're viewed as part of the whole? Like I was saying, when when you get all this stuff together in one viewing screen and people can absorb it in such a way, um, what... Uh, what other elements did you bring in to expand the awareness of the viewer? Um, for instance, the lead character basically projects into an astral body to travel between galaxies, much like much like we do as souls, we project into a human body to experience the third dimension. Uh, what other cornerstones of truth are part of the story? Uh, well, it really all comes down to that, I believe, that we're creators. And uh, as creators, uh, you know, we, we, what that means is, is that in every moment, you know, thinking is an imaginative act. You know, creating feelings is an imaginative act. There's a part of you, you know, if I said, listen, let's go and get food, and you'll say, well, what am I in the mood for? And so right away you're going to imagine whatever food I say. If I say Japanese food, you're going to imagine eating Japanese food. Your stomach's going to taste it, and you'll say, well, I'm not in the mood for this, or I am in the mood for this. Mm. So... You know, and then think. You know, when, when our, our thinking may not be in the same, let's say, way or as daydreaming. You know, daydreaming feels much more fluid and, and loose, where thinking is very concrete. But the usage of of thought, which really to me is the usage of language, because you really can't think without language. The language itself is a creation; it's an invention. And the words that we're using are all, you know, made up words that we, you know, a table is not really a table. It's just what we call those sounds together to mean table. 
So all of it is imaginative stuff. We're just we're we're imagining it so often that it's become normal. So mm-hmm. uh, so to me, the, a really important cornerstone of it, what I'm really the message really is, is that you're creating. You know, we we know what the whole phrase we create your life, but this is more of a, a moment-to-moment thing. You know, you create your mood, you create you know what you focus on has an effect upon your body, and I think that as a culture, if, if this becomes more understood and wielded with responsibility, then we could have a different culture. Mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. You know, I think a lot of people, a lot of people don't know how to, you know, if, like, they may like the idea of being an imaginative being and creating and doing whatever it is, but, you know, what's my access? How do I do it? You know, and of course there's access all over the place if you're interested, but, you know, maybe you don't want to reach out. Well, here's a movie to 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 um, inspire you, you know, because it's you know the ending is such a great ending and everything, you know, uh, um, it's not just the, the the hero wins, but the world gets transformed, which to me is what I'm looking for. Um, and so I think that when you when you see the the journey and you experience the characters and you you get to the end and and you go, well, okay, I, how can I incorporate this into my life? Mhm. The ending took me completely by surprise. I I have to tell you from the from page 1 I was I was roped in because it does have that visual effect um like you said with with all the and with all the capabilities they have with uh visual visual effects I think somebody could do an excellent job with this. But um the ending I never saw it coming. I it, right. it was just amazing. And but I also want to touch on, you know, how multi-layered the story is and, and how rich in metaphor um how do you think those things like you know the, the the things that are obviously there but you don't reference in the story how do you hope to translate those metaphoric messages onto film how do you think that would play out well i think it, i mean you know being that I, I wrote it and it was clear to me you know i think it'll play out well but you know i've read enough reviews from different movies and different you know uh Movies is such a personal thing, you know, liking a movie, not liking a movie. And also I think that, you know, like, for instance, when I read critics' reviews of movies, I want to ask the critic, well, what is your, you know, I wish you can tell me before I read your critique what your philosophy is about movies because are you going to watch it to be entertained or to be, you know, what's the criteria for a good movie? And, you know, a documentary may not fit within the criteria for a science fiction film. So mm-hmm. I think that, you know, there's a lot. So in terms of uh, metaphors translating, well, you know, I think it's obvious. I think it'll play out, you know, what the viewer will get, I don't really know. But, um, you know, looking to, to really portray the what's going on in today's world, what's, what's getting in the way of people having more that they're looking for, so whether it's money or freedom or relationship, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and so the the – and also, I think that there's a lot of uh, understanding of how the, the, let's say, the 1% is affecting the 99% uh, and how people are interacting with each other. So I tried to put all that in there so you can really, you know, see, see the, the lessons that we're trying to learn and, and change how society functions without us actually going into the pit. Right. Right. Well, it, it definitely feels like a journey into the mind, although you're seeing the action played out. And you have the good versus evil. You've got these interesting characters playing very unique roles. Um, you've got the humor. And, and like you said, you know, going 
going to the level of the inner child, there's even a child featured. So I, I really caught the obvious there, but I, I like to read between the lines, and I think he did an excellent job of getting those subtle messages across. Um, but let's talk about um, the Lee character. I thought it was neat how you how you put him together. He is a member of a race related to the phoenix, the bird that rises from its ashes and is reborn. Uh, explain how you explored the idea that this particular race are beings of imagination. Why them? Why did you zero that in on them? Or does it does it just start there and then expand? Well, you know, we, we needed a we needed a fantastic hero. We needed a real you know uh, a hero that uh, captures our imagination. And again, the, the title has to create uh, a being that fits. That, that meets the demand of, you know, if, if you're telling me this movie's called Imagination, well, the hero had better be something that it fulfills my expectation. And so I really had to go out and, and you know, create something that would be uh, interesting and unique. And so I came up, you know, it just kind of came to me, this idea of, uh, a, I call it a Phoenician. And uh, every um, thousand years there, they die and are reborn. Uh, and they're, they're in human shape, but when they get towards the end of their cycle, they actually turn into the space bird, and that's the time that they can reproduce. Um, right. And so it, it, and a lot of this just comes, you know, all this comes out because it delights me. It's like, wow, that's really cool, you know? And, uh-huh. then, uh, and then because he's this, this um, uh, the creation of the race was created actually by the universe itself, so he's, he's the embodiment of the universe, which to me, again, is imagination. And so, but he, but he had to be some kind of hero, you know, some kind of superhero. So he he has powers of imagination, and based upon his will, he can he can change things around and do whatever he wants to do, uh, you know, as part of the way that that he meets the challenges of the story. Right, and he meets that challenge because he has to um, use his imagination to get out of a, a jam. Um, all the uh, there's a lot of action. It moves very quickly. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it definitely reads fast. And also, I like to the the whole Phoenix myth, you know, the birth and re, uh, the birth and rebirth, because uh, we're doing it all the time. And I think that you know, if there's a skill that if we could all learn how to how to be reborn, how to let go of an old self, whether it's every day or every minute or you know year, but you know, the attachment to identity that's fixed keeps us from adapting to the ever constantly changing life that we lead. And so the more that I I understand that myself, that, you know, uh, you can't hang on to what you were. You know, comparing your life today from where it was yesterday doesn't really help you. And so that part of us has to be, to me, we have to learn to be more comfortable with death. And I'm not even talking your physical death. I'm just talking the idea of who you are death. And so Mm -hmm. I think that this, this kind of character embodies that because every thousand years, you know, and and there's more to this backstory about him. For instance, when he's reborn, uh, like so, let's say he lived for the first thousand years. Well, when he's reborn, that first, let's say, personality kind of becomes his unconsciousness because all he learned he still retained, but he is still reborn, so he is, you know, in a in a new self, let's say. And that's somewhat part of the story that I don't want to give away because it's fun when you when you finally see who he is after the first segment, right, when he came yeah. out of the chamber. And, you, yeah. you know, you didn't expect him to be that, but there no. he is. Uh-uh. No, a lot of it was very surprising. Um, right. No, but I, I think that is genius 
to bring that element in. And I think, you know, we all need to hear that. You can't, you can't hang on to what was and hope to experience something different. You know, it's a, it's a concept we plug on the show all the time. You can't right. hold on to a, a, how do I want to say it? A misguided belief system that right. tells you what, what it believes to be true, these unconscious beliefs, and hope to experience something different. That can't be reflected back to you. So in the story, this character, um, you get to see all the different facets of him. It's pretty fascinating. I thought thought you did a great job with that. Um Thank but you. it did it did raise the question though, um how much is how much scientific fact did you put in versus creative storytelling? Are you are you really well um educated on scientific stuff or did you have to do a lot of research? Or uh, did you just have that creative license? Okay. How how did that uh, come about? All three. I mean, so uh, I mean, I'm definitely a science geek too. I, you know, I love the information about, you know, from the small to the big. Um, so I, I, I live in that kind of world. And then to me, it's about weaving the creative storytelling within, you know, the the, the, the science creates the structure, so it mm. becomes, you know, somewhat believable and and relatable. And then beyond that, you know, you play with it, you know. So I, we have another um, character, uh, a nano god, you know, who's a a combination of nanotechnology and, and the um, – so uh, is there nanotechnology out there? Yes. Now, the way that I use nanotechnology in, this, uh, in the script is that the, uh, they're experimenting to, to help people learn to control their emotions through nanotechnology, So, which to me sounds like an exciting thing. I would like to have that. Um, but does that actually exist? No way. Mm-hmm. You know, but the – so that there's my, my – you know, I springboard off of the idea of injecting nanites into – someone's body and creating a, a nano god who has molecular control over itself and matter. Uh, but so that is obviously creative license. But you know what? In, in the future, who knows what they can create? So, you know, I, so I tried to use as much real science. Like, so, for instance, we journey into a core of a planet. And uh, when I had, to, I had to do research that uh, the mantle of our planet is theoretically supposed to be more putty-like than it is liquid because, you know, we think about the inner is liquid. So I had to, you know, I incorporate that and put that in there. So I tried to be as, as attentive to uh, the scientific fact as possible and then use that as a way of, of creating something that is, is interesting that, again, you know, based upon the Mad Max analogy, you know, if, if the science is, is real enough and strong enough, then you'll sit back and absorb the movie versus going, well, how could that be? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, there's a lot of um, I didn't I didn't keep count, but there's a lot of different where the the lead character travels to different galaxies, and and the way he does it is very interesting as well. Uh, how many galaxies would you say you put in here? Well, it's actually universes. Okay. So he's he's traveling through different universes, um, and so there are uh, because of the the nature of the problem. Um, there are an infinite number of universes, and so he goes through a, a lot. We don't even—I don't even know how many he goes through because he just would—he uh, he had passed through a lot to go through his learning curve, and that's part of the—you know—the the challenges that he faced. How is he going to break out of this and save the day? Right, right. Well, how would you describe the difference between a galaxy and a universe then? Well, a galaxy is is like a, an island of stars and gases and planets that you know, circulates within a specific, let's say, uh, uh, diameter. Um, the universe is everything that's composed in, in existence. So it's 
So there are, let's say, uh, billions of galaxies that you know we, we have seen in the known universe. That makes up the entire universe. So, for instance, we go back into the beginning of the story when the, the, um, uh, the cosmic bubble encasing the known universe rises. Within the known universe is, is millions or billions of galaxies. Oh, I see. Okay. So when when you go and like and you look at the known universe and what you'll see is superclusters of galaxies that look like this immense web structure that you know it's got all these different filaments. Uh, uh-huh. And so there's so many galaxies. There's just billions and billions of galaxies out there, uh, and that makes up the known universe. Cool. Okay. Well, I wanted to ask you something because something's been coming up in the past few days, and I I heard it like over the weekend, and then I read the script. And then it came up again today, and I, I honestly, I'm asking honestly because I don't know what to think. Um, and it was, what, what you touch on in the story is this reptilian race, and I think there's something about being in the core of the Earth. Yes, uh, and there was a two different segments. Um, so, uh, but yes, there, there, well, there's a lot of information about that, like, for instance, reptilians are really ruling our society because... The reptilian consciousness is more focused on on getting ahead, survival, and no emotion. So there's no empathy. There's just I want what I want, you know. And so maybe we can say somewhat is the essence of capitalism or what capitalism maybe has evolved to. Um, okay. So uh, so there's this whole um, uh, you know, and there's a lot of story about how the reptilians came because they were needed to help uh, create humans in certain fashion. A lot of you know interesting things that that you know may or may not be true. I don't really know. Uh, uh-huh. But for my purposes is, is, you know, we have our reptilian brain, our limbic brain, and our neocortex. And within the story, I wanted, you know, because what I have is I have reptilians and the mammals living together, and they're separated by this barrier. So it's almost like, so in one part, the city, when he visits, is really a, um, a metaphor for the brain, because you have your limbic and your reptilian divided. Uh-huh. And what they're, um, and the whole thing is how do we, learn to live with these two different aspects of ourselves. Okay. So it's bringing, wow. it's bringing together. Okay. So, and if you think about the three races, because I could, there's the reptilians, the mammals, and then the more of the etheric mental, you know, structure, person, being. Um, yeah. So all three are represented. But who rules them is the reptilian until he gets deposed. Wow, I get so, it. So it's another <laughs> metaphor, really, that's about um, helping us to because if the reptilian rules us, then all we think about is ourselves, and, and again, we're not, you know, really engaged in, in collaboration. We're more just okay. I need to get what I need. So if the reptilian part of us can calm down and not be so much in the fight or flight, and we let the other higher parts come up, then we have a more functioning, uh, you know, society or at least self. Right, and that comes up with the fight or flight, where the lead character chooses not to fight in that one instance and rises above right. the deception and illusion. Wow. That's really right. cool. Right. There you go. So there, there's, so there's a lot of different ways that, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's um, played out for you to really feel that. And what's great is, is that, you know, even though you may not have consciously, you know, put the dot through for that, you got it anyway. And then when you hear it, you know, through me, you go, oh, yeah, that's even better. <laughs> yeah. I, do you... Do you feel that this would make a good ongoing series? Do you think it would make a good book at some point? Um, you know, I, I don't know because it was, you know, um, writing these kind of things, it, it's, I understand more now what postpartum feels like. 
because okay. afterwards, right afterwards, you're like, just, I mean, it was giving birth. It's, it's yeah. creating this, you know, and, and then when you're done, you're kind of like, okay, you know, who am I now? Well, uh, yeah, so you're exhausted. You're, uh... I'm exhausted, right. So, because uh, I do have another idea for another screenplay, um, but I, I, it's just starting to percolate and it hasn't come out yet and I'm not in no rush. Um, so to answer your question, uh, I'm still kind of getting over the idea of, or the getting over the creating of it and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, so the I, I, I'm sure I could I could create more if let's say it was a TV series. I'm sure I could write more as a book. Uh, right now I, I would really I would love to just see this movie be out there. I think it would just be. Uh, I think the public is interested in in this kind of movie at this point. I I think that different movies that I see that do well are the more ones that are more intelligent and the ones that have a story that actually moves along versus just let's say great special effects or great acting because they're mm-hmm. important. But to me, there has, there has to be two things. It has to be a great story, and it has to touch me in my life somehow. And I think that all the different aspects of it and the wow factor and the, you know, it really, because uh, even though it's out there, the the language is earth, and the interactions are all, you know, um, representations of people that we know. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. or, or forces that work in our lives. That's a good way of putting it. Right. So I yeah. wanted to really, you know, put that together for people in a way that they could watch it and, and again, walk out feeling good, feeling light, feeling, they, feeling like they had, they were fulfilled by, you know, because people are going to want to go to this. They want the imagination experience. And I think I deliver pretty well. And uh, so I think at the end you walk out and, and you, you now are more connected to your own imagination because that's the whole real focus. Exactly. No, you really did a fantastic job on this. Um, I read a lot of stuff, and this was really enjoy- – I read it all in one sitting. Um, it. it was easy to do. And, I, yeah, I think it would make a terrific movie. Um, I think the listeners and anybody who sees it would benefit, even if it's not broken down in the way that we're talking about it now. But I think on some level they would get it. Um, oh, yeah. And, yes, like you said, there are there are movies – that have come out that are mega blockbusters and you wouldn't think they would be, but yes, this is what people are interested in. They want to take something away from it in addition to being entertained, you know? Right. I mean, I I think Christopher Nolan is, is really has a, a, a doing a great job of that because his movies are so intelligent. They're they're and they're so, you know, uh, thought provoking and they're so uh, in depth in their creation. You know, you can feel it, you know, the, the music you know, almost all his movies is so amazingly uh, embedded within what you're seeing and what you're watching, but he never really talks down to you. He never insults the audience's intelligence. And I think that's really one of the reasons why he, he's doing so well. And so, I, you know, using that as my inspiration in here, I think Quentin Tarantino is a great example of, of how to create tension in scenes. I mean, he mm-hmm. just needs a master, a master at that. So all these, you know, people that I've been, you know, watching movies and watching and really and reading a lot too. And so, what makes a good story, you know, and um, what does it mean to, you know, when we watch these superhero movies? Like one of the things I I wonder about is, you know, when when let's say a, a superhero that can fly is hit, and he's and he's now you know soaring backwards at you know su- super fast because he's been hit, hit so hard. Well, at what point does he learn? to automatically stop his flight before he bounces into a building. You know, in other words, where is the evolution of the hero itself 
that's what I find I, I don't see. His skill level, his, you know, if in movie one he, he, a trick works against him, it really shouldn't work against him in movie number two. Right. Um, you know, you would, like, you know, I, 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 Batman's always a great example of this because he's so intelligent and will always be thinking ahead to prepare uh-huh. for whatever eventuality. But so he's a good example of learning from his, his mistakes. Where is the growth in the hero? That, that's I, my I question. Where's the growth? Yeah, totally. Right. right. And I, I, that to me is, you know, uh, yes, the battle scenes are important, and you know, but what we, I, what I want to see, I want to see, I want to see the hero broken down and then come back even stronger because that's what I need as inspiration in my life because that's what we're all going through. Right. Totally. You know, we're like, you know, there's a part of the the story uh, in the script where it's about forgiveness. Because of of an act and and how the, the lack of forgiveness creates guilt and and baggage. No, well, mm-hmm. I mean that's all really relatable. We all have whatever you know level of, of guilt and baggage that we have. Um, but the, the the what I've learned in my healing practice is at any time you really can let it go, but you have to imagine that you can. And if you're if right away if that party jumps up and says no, I can't never forgive myself. Well, then, you know, you and I know, if you say those words, you'll never forgive yourself. Mm -hmm. But if you start to go, all right, let me see if I can imagine what circumstances do I need to create in my life that would actually cause me the window to say I can start forgiving myself. Do you have to, you know, go to church every week for a a year? Do you have to uh, meditate for hours? Do you have to go do volunteer work? I mean, there's, there's some appeasements of your crime, let's call it, that is possible if you believe that it's possible. And a lot of times, too, you don't even have to do anything. You can just imagine you doing whatever you need to do, you know, saying you're sorry to someone who you hurt. Without Mm -hmm. actually saying you're sorry to them, you know, it's preferable to actually own up and call them. Sure. if, let's say, they're passed away or something like that. Well, you know, don't ever stop saying you're sorry until you're done saying you're sorry. And I guarantee you, your deeper self, your imaginative self, will open up new possibilities for you based upon the, the lack of forgiveness that you've been living on before. Mm-hmm. And with each act of forgiveness and each apology, you gain more freedom. Picture the guilt, right. blame, shame, and guilt is your prison. And that's right. why you feel so stuck and, and uh, immobile, if you will. And the, the forgiveness and these... Um, what do you call them, making up for what what you perceive you did wrong, forgiving others for what they've done to you, with each act of forgiveness, you get more and more freedom and more and more ability to create and undo what you did and, and do better. Right, right, yeah. You know, but the, the, the biggest thing is is that if you believe your own propaganda that says, I can't ever forgive myself, whatever I've done is unforgivable, well, then you, you're basically uh, assigning yourself to prison, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that, but the thing I would like to say is that saying those words that I can never be forgiven is also using your imagination to create a result. So you want to, start, you know, be able to say, well, what if, what circumstances would, would, would need to happen for me to start forgiving myself? I mean, I think that's a fantastic question. It is a fantastic question. You know, and then sit with it and live with it, and until you, until you go, you know what? If I, if I go and and put pennies on every corner of every block for the next ten miles, I will forgive myself. Well, then go do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it doesn't hurt to 
Well, it sort of does. Let's let's talk about this because that brings in the issue of time and um, the way we limit our our potential by putting a timestamp on things. Like I'll be happy when, like you said, when I lose weight, uh, when I get a new job, then I'll allow myself to be happy, or I'll forgive um, when the moon turns blue. You know, right, you right. set this impossible right. standard to keep, to hold yourself down and keep yourself chained. Uh, to that situation, to the people involved in the situation, and to the the hatred and the guilt that you're embodying, quote unquote, as a result. So putting a timestamp on things, yeah, it, it it can delay and and it can have somewhat of a detrimental effect. But but for the purposes of this conversation, um, yeah, if if you have to set a hurdle like that, then do everything you can to overcome that hurdle, but get there any way you can. Right. Right. And the thing I think is that uh, is to understand that you can get there. You just have to think differently. You just have, and part of that could be, and this is where we go back again to imagination, is you have to start saying to yourself, I don't know. Because if you keep saying, I know, then you're using your mind, and your mind keeps you in the information you already have, and you can't create a, a new perspective. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, the way to step into, I don't really know. You know, so I can't ever forgive myself. Well, what if I just stepped into the unknown and said, well, maybe there's a way. And then just by saying that, you know, it's, it, it's like a proverbial step itself. You take that step and then the energies around you start to change and, and slowly, you know, and I don't know, timing, you know, timing happens for each person differently, but all of a sudden you'll, uh, an inspiration will hit you and go, uh, or maybe you'll see a movie that is about forgiveness and you'll see a scene or you'll read a book and you'll, you'll, it'll hit you because it's your situation or mm-hmm. it speaks your language, or whatever. It is. But it's only happened because you you stepped into, you know, being open to the idea that maybe there's a way that I don't have to be in prison. You know, why do I have to give this voice that says, you know, I can never forgive myself power over me to to keep me in misery? Let me choose to to see it that it can be seen in a different way. Right. I have an image in my mind as I was listening to you talk of, you know. We don't want to be where we are. We certainly don't want to be where we've been, yet we can't let go of it. And we do seriously want to move forward, want to move into something different, something better, something more joyful. But what I saw in my mind was we could get into a vehicle, but in this case I want to say like a spaceship because of the story. What if we were to have this terrific opportunity to go on a trip in a spaceship and the spaceship gets to whatever planet you choose? What's the point of staying inside the spaceship and just looking out the window and not being willing to explore to get new information? So in order to forgive ourselves, we have to be willing to explore a possible different interpretation of our story, of our own past, to gather more information and get a, a, a reinterpretation that is less, much less jagged to our senses so that we can hold it in our hands without feeling a, a burning sensation or pain of, you know, emotional pain of some type. And then you start to feel the willingness to forgive well up, but you have to take those steps and you have to yeah. explore other options other than depression and self-pity basically. Right. Well, yeah. Beautifully said. Absolutely. Thank yeah. You. I think it really comes down to the, uh, that the idea of, 
uh, of when, whenever you hear, I think, whenever you say to yourself something that says, I will never or it will always be this way, red flags, red flags, no. You know, don't let yourself, don't, don't let yourself get away with that because those are prison sentences. Mm-hmm. And so the, the more that you're willing to, to explore exactly what you just said, you know, really explore that, that looking at your past in a new way, but in order to look at it in a new way, you have to step into an I don't know state as far as I'm concerned because then you can look with fresh – got to get fresh eyes. You do. And so, you know, how do you get fresh eyes? Well, there's millions of ways to get fresh eyes, but the one thing that I know works best is step into that place of I don't know, and then when you look, you don't look with the same expectation based upon your conditioning that says, okay, it will always be this way. And I get right. it. It's really hard to fight that feel because that feeling of it always be this way is like it, the gravity on that is just overpowering. Yes, it's, but, it's very certain. You know, it's like I know. It's very certain, yes. It's I know grounded. it will always it's, be this way, and, and you thereby declare it impossible to be any other way. Right. And what I've learned to do, you know, and, and obviously it's an ongoing process, is whatever voice is talking, I kind of say to it, well, wait a second, who are you? You know, mm-hmm. and I know, and whatever whatever answer comes, or sometimes no answer comes, but at the bottom essence of the answer is I'm a being of imagination. You know, if, I, if I'm taking on the role of, let's say, my father, you know, my father who's negative and, and tells me I can't do it, and that's the one that, it says to, that I use to, to create the certainty that I will never change. Well, you know, so um, the part of me that's playing the role of my father is playing a role, and it's imagining that role. And if I can say to that part, wait a second, you know, I hear what you're saying, and I feel what you're feeling, but you're not who you think you are. You are, you know, you're acting like my father or you're acting like this authority figure or whoever you give the power to. Right. You say, wait a second, you're putting on a mask. And if we take off the mask, what you are is a, a voice of imagination. You're creating this idea of being my father and you're attached to it or whoever. But again, if I can get you to to realize, to experience that that I am a being of imagination on all levels, then and that's what can create change in my life. And then, you know, as an example, I can be that for others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and as far as getting fresh eyes, you know, many people are well-equipped to do it themselves. It depends on their on their level of conscious awareness. But if, if you feel like you don't have that skill uh, very honed, then use a buddy system, whether you go to, like like you, you're a self-healing expert, and you can go to people, whether it's um, psychology-based or uh, holistic-based, like we do. But what we tend to do, in our at least in our first attempts, to look at the past differently is like we start to, like the ego jumps in and it doesn't want you to see uh, the shimmering lights. It just wants you to see... Uh, the number of injustice, injustices that you've endured. So the mind will start to say, well, this happened, then this happened, then that happened, and you have this timeline of injustices, and we don't take a step back and look for the growth. Like we were saying, how where's the growth in the hero? Right. Well, if if we're the hero, we we don't look back and say, well, where's the growth? Because none of us can say that we're anywhere near where we were 10 years ago or last right. week. There's growth. There's There's change. And there's this constant flow of energy and, and growth and awareness. So 
use the buddy system is what I'm saying to the listeners. You know, if if you don't feel capable of really looking at your past that way, go to someone who can read the signs and say, oh, you're doing it again. Let's go back right. and now let's let's reexamine, reinterpret, and then rewrite your emotional right. landscape. Yeah. Right. Right. And I and I think that you know the the skill of of discovering, uncovering your unconsciousness is is really extremely important. You know, and I think that if we can make that more popular, you know, not just because there's so many people out there who are suffering who don't understand why they're suffering, and and don't know that they can do anything about it. Uh-huh. Um, and so I, I think that, you know, we, we haven't yet made it a, a popular enough to know what it means to be yourself, you know, through discovering your past and, and looking at the different signs and getting a translator, you know, a therapist to, to help you understand what this is and what that is. And what I think is also very fascinating is most of the actors that we love are the ones that do this transformation work and know themselves on these levels. So, you know, we're, we admire them and we, we watch them and we, you know, uh-huh. covet them. And what, what, they, what they really are embodying, though, is, is the healing work of transforming because they, they have to let go of who they were in order to be someone else. And that's what we're really trying to do with our, all of us is we're letting go of our past. We're letting go uh-huh. of the old role. And we're creating a new role. And part of what I think is why it's so challenging for us is that creating a new role, new role happens on a daily basis. And so, you know, maybe this, and I don't know how it's much is embedded in maybe the newer generations, but there's a, you know, I, I'm, I'm 46. There's a, uh, a Happy Days, um, Partridge Family, it is enough kind of embodiment that says life should be in a certain way. Uh-huh. And it's... It's usually not in a. Uh, it's usually a very feeling of of stability. You know that this is how life is. It, you know you have the problem, the problem gets solved, and now you all love each other again. And I don't. That hasn't been how my life has worked. <laughs> right. So. Wanted, right. Okay. Get, so I think ahead. that that there's a a, a lot of um, a, a change of what life is, and if you don't have a relationship to your subconscious, unconscious then as life changes, you have no way of really fielding the balls as they get hit towards you. You know, you can, mm-hmm. when, when you know that you have uh, your understanding about your unconscious, it's like a tennis racket where you can hit the ball back. Right. Right. You have no concept. When it comes to the, the subconscious mind, you have no concept of what you planted or there's right. no correlation between what you planted and what you're experiencing on the outside. You know, right. what, or what you reap is what you sow. Or how much damage you're doing by saying, you know, by reinforcing your negative, you know, he, oh, it happened again, I lost, you know, I can't, you know, it's like when you understand more about the fact you deliver messages to your subconscious, you become more aware of not giving your messages to yourself right. in that way anymore. Right, and we all can see patterns in our lives, we have to get to the where, where did that start, we have to get to the source. But I want to touch right. on, on two quick thoughts, um, the best, when you were talking about the, the what, people who are actors and and they've gone through that transformation. Some of my favorite actors, as I watch them, I just, I'm confident that they just have such an ability to relinquish their ego to become that character, like Meryl Streep, Brad Pitt. It's freaky, talented people. But I think it's all about relinquishment of the ego in order to embody that character. And and they do it successfully and still maintain some type of balance and don't go off the deep end. But I also want to say that I do see a change in... Um, in the illness 
uh, depression. And today I saw, who was it, a linebacker or wide receiver for the Jets, uh, Mr. Branson. Uh, And he went on to describe how he has borderline personality disorder and he could be on the field playing the game and then be off the field and still be just as angry as he was and there was no off switch. So he went and got help, joined a support group. He's talking all about this freely, calm and relaxed. I was like, oh, my God, this is beautiful. Mm. And and, and it's on last night's Colbert. It's really cool. And so I do see a change, and I think if we continue to evolve in that direction, then – looking at ourselves and having dialogue like this will be the norm. And then people don't have to be so afraid to be themselves or reach out or recognize their own cries for help. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Well, yep. There's more of a, of a, of a, a soil out there that says we accept this and it's, yes. and you can reach out for help and, and help is there without you having to, you know, jump through hurdles. Exactly. Well, we're going to run out of time, but I know you wanted to make a nice offer to the listeners. Why don't you go ahead and do that, and then we'll give the website again. So if there's anyone out there who, uh, one, knows producer and uh, would think that this would be something they'd be interested in, uh, I'm more than willing to uh, send you my my script. And for people who just want to read the script, please also feel free to reach out, and I will send you a copy. And you can um, contact me through my website, so de-stressed sanantonio.com and then on the contact uh, link you just click that and it will open up the window and you can send me an email and you can just write you know please I'd be happy to to read your script and I'll send you the PDF okay yeah and feedback would be welcome and um, I'm sure sure there's a a lot of interest out there we just have to tap into it Uh, but I really I thoroughly enjoyed reading it and it was more of an experience than just reading it because truly the visual is there and it took me on a real journey. Again, the ending took me completely by surprise, did not see that coming. Um, And it made, made perfect sense. I just loved that. Um, But I enjoyed the humor in it, the, the inspiration the it's very thought, the metaphors are are right there for you to kind of reflect on. It's really a, a great piece of work and I hope this goes as far as possible. I really do. Yeah. And what I want to say is, is it's almost like you get to have two movies because you watch it once, and then when you get to the, the, the surprise point, uh, you can watch it in your mind again, and, and everything makes different sense. So it's like you're watching yeah. two movies. Totally. Cool. Yeah, when I got to the end, I had to rethink. I'm like, oh, you know, I had a lot of right. aha moments. Right. That right. took me back, and, and it just seemed like, okay. And then you see the deeper meaning, whether in that moment or when you get to the end, and you're like, oh, that makes total sense. Right. Well, thank you for sharing it with me and involving me in, in this capacity. And as always, it's it's such a joy to talk to you. And uh, you. We, we always have such a good time on the show. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay. I look forward well, we will to be in touch. Time. Oh, yeah. There will be a next time. I just don't know when. But, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I just want to thank the listeners for tuning in. I hope you're interested. Do go to his website and um, – Check it out, and if you know anybody connected to the movie industry, please get in touch with Sheldon. This really is a great project. Okay, well, until next time, everyone, God bless, and be at peace.